Hey, we're so happy you found us online. The message you're about to hear was recorded live at Grace Family Church. We're a community following the call to love God, love people, and make a difference. We meet at four locations around Durban and at graceonline.tv. Go ahead and share this message, or you can download it and listen to it in your car or at home later today. Wherever you are in the world, wherever you're listening from, thank you for connecting with us, and may you be encouraged by the message coming up next. Hi, you have no doubt faced a dilemma in your life, and a dilemma is a situation in which a difficult choice has to be made between two or more alternatives, especially ones that are equally undesirable. Desirable ones we might call an opportunity, not a dilemma. Now the social dilemma is perhaps choosing the undesirable path of letting go of all that is good about social media, and there is much that is good. We get to share, we get to learn, we get to interact, we get to market, we get to see things, uh, we get to choose. So there's a whole lot of good. Or we choose the undesirable path of losing ourselves, you losing yourself in social media, losing your identity, your sense of purpose, your relationships, your life. Now this sounds dramatic, but it's real. And we talk about this in church because it's about life. And God is the giver of life and would have us have life to the full. In the Gospel of Mark, we read that a young man runs to Jesus. And there's urgency here. He falls on his knees and he asks a desperate question. Good teacher. Now, this is a young man. Good teacher. What must I do to get eternal life? He's talking about quality of life and quantity of life. Jesus says to him, you know the answer. And he points him to the commandment, which in essence have him loving God and loving people. Don't murder, don't steal, don't commit adultery. These are destructive things. Don't bear false witness. Don't defraud anybody. And do, do honor your mother and your father. All these things I've done since I was a boy, replied the young man. Jesus looked him hard in the eye and loved him. I love that phrase. Just Jesus looks at him and loves him. He says there's one thing left. Go sell whatever you own and give it to the poor. All your wealth will then be heavenly wealth and then come and follow me. The man's face just clouded over. This was the last thing he expected to hear and he walked off with a heavy heart. He was holding on tight 
to a lot of things and not about to let go. Sell your things, the things you love most and give it away and follow me, says Jesus. He presents the man with a dilemma. Give up his things and live. Hold on to the things he loves and give up on fully living. Choose, says Jesus. And the man's face falls and he walks away with a heavy heart. Tom said last week, what we bow to, we will end up bound to. It's like the man is bound to his things and he, and he gives up on life. I have a sense that in 2020, we may ask God and maybe you've run to God and, and said, how can I live? How do I live fully? How do I live knowing who I am? Which is what we talked about last week, identity. How do we live knowing why I am? Which is what we kind of focus on today, uh, purpose. How do I live fully uh, at one with God and one with another? In other words, my relationships are life-giving, not incredibly draining. Um, how do I live? Unity. And we'll look at that in two weeks' time. In addition to ensuring that our possessions don't possess us, because that's always a possibility, God may be asking, um, what's keeping these people I love so much from living fully? What's robbing them of life? What's grabbing their attention? What's taking up space in their heads and their hearts? What's chewing up time, which is a finite thing? And I asked a few of my friends and looked at my own. And let me say, I spent last week on average four and a half hours a day on social media, uh, on my phone. And uh, I won't go into the details. Some of that stuff was good. I work on my phone. But nevertheless, four and a half hours. My mother, my friends, my colleagues, uh, three and a half to four hours a day on social media. What's taking up their time, God may be saying? They're getting so much right, yet they seem confused about who they are. They're walking with their heads down, constantly down, and they seem to lack purpose. They seem disconnected, God may be saying. God no doubt looks at you and me, and he loves us. And I'd love you not to miss that for a moment. God looks at you, and he loves you. And God may look you in the eye and say, get control of your social media for you and you will live. And for some right now, your face may fall and you may walk away because you have a lot of stuff invested in social media. Some people make a living out of social media. So I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying get control of it. So stay with me just for a moment. You, you may say, I have no problem with social media. And here are a few questions that I'd love you to uh, answer. They're just yes or no answers to the questions. And you might want to just in the comments just say yes, no, yes, no as we go. Um, do you feel anxious when you cannot access your social media? Your stomach goes into a pit uh, when your Wi-Fi is lagging? Yes or no? Your social media usage is cutting into your work time. Yes or no? Uh, perhaps it's it's against the rules where you work, but you go to the toilet with your phone. And you go to the toilet when you don't need the toilet. <laughs> you go because you need to look on your phone. Um, yes or no? Is your social media cutting into your work life? You immediately check your phone when you hear a notification. Even while you listen to the sermon, if the thing goes beep, uh, it doesn't matter how profound I am, you're going to pick it up because it's called you. It's like a reward. Um, yes or no? Do you tentatively monitor your posts to see how many likes you get? Refresh, 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 another like. 
Um, what others think for you is incredibly important. Yes or no? Do you, do you check for the likes? Do you check your accounts right when you wake up and right before bed? Your social media is your first and your last thought. Yes or no? Does your spouse or your friends or your family say you seem distant? You're always on your phone. Yes or no? Do you measure life's events by how upload worthy they are? You're kind of not living in the moment. You're just wondering, how will this look when I post it? So you're at a party, you're really enjoying yourself, but the lighting's terrible. So you can't get a good picture, so you don't like the party anymore. Because how will you post what's happening here? Yes or no? If you have some yeses in there, and I have some yeses in there, these are seven signs of a social media addiction. And, and uh, for, for us and for you, perhaps, if you're in, addicted like this and you've got a number of yeses, maybe seven out of seven, here are some of the dangers of excessive social media use. Depression symptoms increase because your brain stops producing happy chemicals. And, and soon the only way you feel happy is if you're on social media. Your self-esteem decreases because you're constantly comparing yourself to other people. You're only seeing a filtered version of their lives. You're only seeing their highlight reel. But that doesn't stop the grass is greener mentality. You, you become socially isolated because you're disconnected from the real world. Uh, the augmented reality uh, you see online becomes more desirable than spending time with friends and family. It's like there is better. These are signs of of a, of a social, uh, these are the effects of excessive use. Work productivity dwindles because your mind is constantly elsewhere. Uh, you, you, you may even break the rules at work just to check your accounts. You, you begin to assign a value to your life based on other people's opinions. Uh, the number of likes, positive comments you receive dictate your actions moving forward. This is how you're living your life. You lose sleep at night thinking about social media or checking your phone for messages. Uh, this leads to sleep deprivation, which makes you irritable, fatigued, and just downright grumpy. In short, it seems you have a choice. Control your use of social media or it'll control you. You will lose who you are, your identity, so easily, and, and you may lose why you are, your sense of purpose. And so connected online, you may feel more disconnected than ever. Uh, now, now, this is easier said than done, the idea that we should control our use of social media. If you want to know what we're up against, here are some quotes from the documentary, The Social Dilemma, and, and they come from people who know. Last week we said social media is just a tool, and there's truth to that. Uh, we choose how we use it. Well, Tristan Harris, a former design ethicist at Google and co-founder of the Center for Humane Technology, says this. If something is a tool, it genuinely is just sitting there waiting patiently. It's like your drill at home. It doesn't leap out at you. It doesn't beep if you ignore it. Um, it waits patiently. If something is not a tool, it's demanding things from you. It's seducing you. It's manipulating you. It wants things from you. Uh, we've moved away, he says, from, tool, from a tools-based technology environment to an addiction and manipulation technology environment. Social media isn't a tool waiting to be used. It has its own goals and it has its own means of pursuing them by using your psychology against you. 
is what he says. Another quote, if we, if we think we are in absolute control, um, uh, we, we're mistaken. There's only a handful of people at these companies who understand how these algorithms or systems work. And even they don't necessarily fully understand what's going to happen with a particular piece of content. So as humans, we've almost lost control over these systems because they're controlling the information that we see. They're controlling us more than we're controlling them. This is what Sandy uh, Parikilas, former operations manager at Facebook says, and, and former product manager at Uber. Here are some other quotes you may agree or disagree with. If you're not paying for the product, you are the product. Another quote, we're the product. Our attention is the product being sold to advertisers. Our attention and our time. And the question social media is asking, how much of your life can we get you to give us? How much of your life? What must I do to live, you may be asking. Inexplicably, you may feel depressed and unproductive and downright irritable, all because of the world within your phone. And here's how easily we can forget not only who we are, but why we are. Here's a quote. The gradual and slight imperceptible change in your own behavior and perceptions. That is the product. That's the product. A slow but sure change, and then we forget who we are. It's like we've outsourced our thinking and slowly we think differently and we behave differently and we are not sure why and we forget why we are. It's slow but sure. We've outsourced our thinking. So Paul writes to his friends in Philippi. Uh, Paul was a man who used to think one way and could not think in any other way. All he had seen, read, and heard pointed to the fact that Jesus and Christ followers were dangerous and wrong about life and God and people. He had a radical encounter with Christ, and he changed the way he thought about life. God himself, uh, uh, he thought about life, God and himself, and about people. And now he writes and shares a final and powerful thought with his friends. And in essence, he says, don't outsource your thinking and lose your sense of purpose. So my sense is, friends, as we look at this scripture now, it'll help us uh, as we use social media and try to grab all that is good in it, we won't become enslaved because we will be thinking while we're using it and not simply outsourcing to a nameless, faceless bunch of people, algorithms and the like, uh, the way we think and how we act. So Paul writes this, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, and when you say final thing, it's the thing. He says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you've learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. Fix your thoughts. Fix your thoughts on what is true. Now, it's true that God looks at you and he hits the like button. If no one else it does, it doesn't matter. God looks at you and loves you. It's true that God loves you. It's true that your identity is not linked to what you do or have done, but who you are. And you are one loved by God who created you on purpose for a purpose. You don't earn your identity. You are given your identity. And you are a child of God. God calls you 
child and he invites you to call him father. It's true that you fully live out your humanity uh, when you're connected to God and one another with a sense of, uh, and, and with a sense of God-given vocation. It is God that says, your life and breath has meaning on earth. These things are eternal truths. So fix your things on what is true. Fix your, fix your thinking on what is honorable. Now, we're invited to think on that which is honest and reverent, that which has the dignity of holiness upon it. That word honorable, is, in a sense, is saying, walk through the world with wonder and with reverence because the world is the creation and the temple of God. Be filled with awe. It might be that we walk with our heads down all the time, that we miss the incredible awe of the things around us. On a recent trip away, Michelle uh, was walking a little bit ahead of me, and on the railing by the stairs was a peacock which had its uh, feathers stretched out, a magnificent sight. Michelle's getting used to bifocals, so uh, true, she wasn't on her phone, but, but she didn't see the peacock at all. And she literally walked into the peacock, which it and flew away uh, to the horror of an old couple who were standing behind the peacock taking a photograph. It was awful. Uh, Michelle didn't see it. How often don't we see the awesome creation of God? I sense we're invited to be awed by God and not numbed by Google. We need to fix our thoughts on what is true and honorable, says Paul, and fix your thoughts on what is right. Think about what is right, or as the word is translated, just. The word is used to describe someone who faced their duty, their vocation, and who does their duty, sees it and does it. Someone who does their duty to God and their duty to man. Not hiding from God, not escaping, not hiding from people. Not hiding from, from their role, but doing and seeing. Social media can so easily become a place we hide from our vocation. Fix your thoughts, says Paul. Don't outsource your thinking. Fix your thought on what is true and honorable and right and pure. The word describes that which is fit for the presence of God and fit to be used of God. Undefiled. We can fill our thoughts and minds with things that get us unfit for purpose, unable to see ourselves useful to God or man or, or, or woman, unable to, uh, to see our usefulness. We lose our why. Uh, so the call is fix your thoughts on that which is pure, making sure you are usable. Fix your thoughts, says Paul, on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely, he says. Now this word lovely describes that which calls forth love. We can so easily call forth vengeance and punishment, uh, which calls forth bitterness and fear in others. And you see it in our interactions. We can be brave online, but not so brave face to face. We can do so with a single post calling forth love. We can call forth hatred and vengeance with a single post. We call forth love when we set our minds on that which is lovely. Fix your thoughts, says Paul. Don't outsource your thinking. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. The word speaks of the things fit for God to hear. Things, uh, think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy, says, says Paul. 
We have often said excellence uh, honors God and inspires people. How have you excelled in the past? How can you do the best with what you have? And so doing, rediscover your very purpose. Don't outsource your thinking, says Paul, to nameless, faceless people who don't even know how this thing works. Think on things that are excellent and praiseworthy. And then Paul says, act. Put into practice everything you have heard from me and saw me doing. And then the God of peace will be with you. Tom spoke about Shalom last week, the God of Shalom. This is Paul's favorite title for God. Peace for the Jew was not the absence of conflict or negative things, but peace was everything that makes for a man or woman's highest good. This is peace. Anything that makes for creation's highest good. Peace would bring us into right relationship. The God of peace makes life uh, into what, is, what it's meant to be. The God of peace unlocks our purpose. The God of peace wants everything for your good. That you would live at one with God, with each other, and to bring light and life to the world. Fix your thoughts on that which is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable, admirable, excellence and praiseworthy. Now here's the final encouragement from Paul as he writes to his friends in Colossia. He says, so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ, with purpose, act like it. Pursue the things over which Christ presides. Don't shuffle along, eyes to the ground, absorbed with the things right in front of you. Look up and be alert to what is going on around, uh, around Christ. That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. Look up. Be alert to what's going on around Christ. He wants life and life in all its fullness for you. A life full of meaning and a life full of purpose. He looks at you and he loves you. He would give his life for you. Put down the phone, as it were, and pick up the bread of life. And if we're going to fix our eyes on that which is good and lovely and, and fix our eyes on Christ, then Jesus sets before us and we're going to share in communion. And you'll have got things ready. But he sets before us bread and wine, which is where the action is. Because when Jesus was with his friends, he took bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to his friends saying, Take and eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this whenever you eat it in remembrance of me. Fix your thoughts on me. In the same way, after supper, Jesus took the cup. And he gave thanks and he said to his friends, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take and drink and remember. Give thanks. This is Jesus saying, fix your eyes on me. This is where the action is. And so when we share in this meal, we declare some eternal truths. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. He is the author and the giver of life. And so I'm inviting you in your home just to share in this communion together. Pause for a while, put down the phone, pick up the bread of life, and choose. I'm going to control that which is competing for my time. And as I eat and drink, I'm going to fix my eyes on Christ. It's where the action is. So take time and just share in this communion, and then I'll close in prayer.
I pray that as you shared in that communion, you, you felt connected to people you can't even see, real people who are sharing in this meal together. But let's pray together. Lord, I thank you that you fed us in this meal. I thank you that you are the author of, and giver of life. I thank you that you've given us a foretaste of what life is about. It's about connection. It's about communion. It's about seeing and knowing you and loving one another. And I ask, Lord, that you would just stir out your purpose in our lives, that we would live with meaning and with purpose. Bless us, each one in our own homes, even now. Amen. Amen. God bless, friends. Have a great week, and we'll catch up next week online or at one of our campuses.